0: Woke up quick at about noon. We made it to another Friday. Welcome into the May 15th edition of the podcast with Damien Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar, where you can get your superfood smoothies, acai bowls, and organic cold pressed juices at any of your favorite locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. You just got to call ahead. Uh, they'll do curbside delivery, contactless curbside delivery. And of course, you could do delivery through whatever your favorite uh, food delivery app is. Uh, we made it to another week. We are so happy that you are here. I'm going to give you a little a, a little window into my soul here, a little window into my personality. The show wraps up on a daily basis, particularly now that we've started recording here first thing in the morning. And I'm, I'm sure I've given you, like, my schedule before. You guys pretty much know the details of my life here. But just for the purposes of this story is we finish, finish the show, uh, I feed the girls, and then we head out for a walk. And the walk is often like a post-mortem of the podcast. And oftentimes it was like, man, it was... I, I had a good flow. I appreciate the dude, the podcast went well today. And then other times it's like, ah, not not so good. I didn't transition well. I started babbling. The show could have been shorter, whatever the case may be. Yesterday, you know, we were talking to, you know, so much of this week has been talking about the potential return of the, the NBA, uh, the, the potential return of Major League Baseball. We'll get to what Rob Manfred said yesterday and why I think it might have been a, you know, a, a tad bit of a poor strategy on his part we'll get to that and a couple of other you know news and notes nothing really major on the docket today that's a hell of a sell for a show by the way there's nothing really major to talk about but as I left yesterday and was walking I was thinking all of this talk and and, you know feeling for the first time that maybe there's some momentum to the return uh, uh, of an NBA season or or as the late John Witherspoon would say momentum I started thinking like okay But what if, like, what if the season doesn't return? Like, what if the NBA season is actually over? And I did this for the Sacramento Kings podcast recently, where I kind of asked these questions as they, you know, as they pertain to the, to the Kings, you know, you start thinking things like how, you know, the Kings were playing really well, but things just abruptly ended, you know, how can you. You know, it's, it, I use the example of you got to write a sequel to a movie without knowing how the first one ended. And, that, and that's kind of what happened with, it, it. it's accurate that it's what happened with all of these teams. But I don't think there's, you know, a team, particularly in the Western Conference, more desperate to have played the last 18, 19 games of the regular season than the Sacramento Kings. One, again, they were playing well. Two, they were going to have to make the public public proclamation at some point that marvin bagley wasn't going to return which would have been that would have, that, that would have been an interesting announcement to actually have to make out loud i think we were all under the assumption that we that he wasn't going to come back and play but i think it's another thing for the organization to just flat out and come out and say it out loud like yeah he's not coming back this year and I, and i think the evaluation this offseason for marvin bagley doesn't necessarily change uh, whether the season abruptly ends or not uh, because I don't think he was going to play the rest of the season. And I still think the Kings, you know, they've got some things that they've got to figure out. They've got a thing, some things they've got to figure out as it pertains to, you know, Buddy Heal. Do they continue to play him off the bench? Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. And, and you have a team that was playing well. You have a team that was making a playoff run. And perhaps most importantly, or I don't want to say they were making a playoff run. They were making a push at that eight spot. And perhaps most importantly, I think a lot of people weren't really sure what we were going to get out of Memphis. That's what kind of made this whole thing possible. That's what opened the door a little bit. If Memphis had been playing down this final stretch of the season or approaching this final stretch of the season, the way that they w- were playing earlier in the year, I don't think there would be this much oh man. If the Kings just could have finished the season, at least we'd know. But we're kind of left with this with this giant unknown. And and, and again, it, I don't think that pertains to any other team in the league more than it does the Kings. Because if 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 Portland is battling for the eight spot, like Portland already know, like this isn't where the Trailblazers need to be. This isn't where the Trailblazers want to be. This isn't where the Trailblazers are supposed to be. They're not supposed to be battling for the 8th spot. They're supposed to be somewhere else in this playoff picture. They've got a whole lot of things to figure out, and they've got those things to figure out whether they made the 8th seed or not because this isn't the position for them. Same is true for the San Antonio Spurs. What type of... Uh you know, what 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 type of rework? Because you know, they're not gonna rebuild. What what type of additions, what type of changes do the San Antonio Spurs need to make? That was going to be true, whether they, you know, made the playoffs by one game or they fell a half game short or or, or five games short. It it didn't matter. Their approach to the offseason wasn't it, how the playoffs played out, how the eighth spot played out, it wasn't gonna matter. Pelicans were playing with house money all year. It, it, it doesn't matter what happens with them. Like, they knew, we're, we're good. Like, if we make the playoffs, cool, that's a bonus. But this is all this is all the NBA's money, man. This isn't ours. We're house money all year. So their approach to the offseason doesn't matter either. Or, if, I mean, I'm sorry, of course it matters. It wasn't going to change, is what I mean. But for the Kings, like, what would have changed had they fallen a half game short? What would have changed had they made the playoffs? What would have changed had they fallen off and missed the playoffs by seven and a half games? You know, there's, there's, there's so much there. There are so many unanswered questions. And I don't know, and it, and it may not matter. Like Their approach to the offseason may not change at all depending on making the playoffs by a half game or missing them by seven. I do think missing them by seven changes the approach to the offseason. Because it shows that run in the middle of the year, particularly the one that they were on, was probably not real. It was probably just one of those runs that a team goes on during the season. And now you just you know, and, and I think this is probably true for all non-playoff teams, uh, regardless of 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 what the NBA decides over the course of the next couple of weeks. I think NBA teams have to uh, non-playoff teams have to look at it like, well, it's over. Okay, it's a wrap. This is our season ended abruptly. Uh, we weren't prepared for it, but we have a 60 some odd game sample of what we have this season. And now we've got to start doing some evaluations. Bogdan Bogdanovich. We've got to figure out what are we willing to pay him? we got to figure out is he going to be our starter moving forward? we got to figure out what we're going to do in game one. What is the best strategy for the Sacramento Kings? What's the best lineup for the Sacramento Kings to have out there? Uh, Marvin Bagley, same thing. What are we going to do with Marvin Bagley? You know, we're we're not there yet, but you know, normally I would say February, but like that's 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 not going to be accurate this year. So if the season starts in December, the midway point with like the like the quote All Star break, the what like late March, early April. So I I, I would think we're probably late march early april away from people really starting to panic like yo did we just blow the number 2 overall pick and toss that in the trash while every other team that drafted that year seems to be in love with their player whether it's Trey Young Luka Doncic whether it's Jaron Jackson like are is it did we, are we the only ones who blew it like there and there are already people worried about that and that's more in comparison to Luka Doncic, and that's fine. But the, you're getting to the point now where you can you can start looking past Luka and start looking at like, yo, know, like we could have had Trey Young, we could have had Jaron Jackson, you know, we could have had any a number of players that their team seemed to be really really happy with. But we got the guy who can't stay healthy and can't stay out on the floor. We got a guy who might not even be able to help us because he gets lost defensively, and I, I don't. I think that's his his biggest loss this year was the experience. The talent is there with Bagley. It's just how does it implement into this team? Uh, can he stay confident enough? And obviously, the most important, can he stay healthy? And these are questions so many teams have to ask, you know, post-mortem. And then I started thinking about, you know, uh, Sam Amick wrote for The Athletic recently because... There were rumblings about Luke Walton and Vlade Divac, and how disappointed Vivek Ranadive and the Kings' management is. And you know, this is when we learned of the you know the big group text that goes out amongst the hierarchy within the Sacramento Kings, and it appeared some people like were trying to figure out how did we take this far of a step back? Why did I allow? I think when you start asking your questions, and this is essentially what was asked. When you're an owner and you start asking questions like, why did I let my basketball guy make a basketball decision when I wanted someone else? And like you have a legit and that's like a legitimate concern. Why did I let my general manager draft this player when I wanted this player and the player I wanted turned out to be much, much better than the player he wanted? That's concerning that that type of thought even pops into an owner's head. But those are things that are like exclusive to the Kings. There are other, like the Wizards. They were sniffing around the playoff spot just like the Kings were. But we know what the Wizards got. (laughs) They got Bradley Beal and they got John Wall. I I think there are like deeper rooted questions that you can ask about because so much has been talked about free agency. How is this going to affect, you know, guys' contracts? How is this going to affect salary cap? That's got to be a conversation that's going to be had with Bogdan Bogdanovich as well is, you know, the salary cap is almost 100% about to change. Maybe 99.9%. The salary cap is about to change, and for the first time in several years, it's about to go down, and it's probably going to go down uh, quite a bit. And suddenly, that that Bogdan Bogdanovich contract is going to look a little bit differently. Suddenly, instead of, you know, oh, once we signed De'Aaron, we're probably knocking on the door of luxury tax. Well, now suddenly you're you're you've kicked in the door of the luxury tax. And remember when the Kings when there was this concern, well, we've got to make sure that we've got we've got to have the money to pay two max contracts with De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. Well, suddenly that doesn't feel like a question anymore. You obviously got to get De'Aaron locked up. No question about that, but I don't know about the other one because there's no in-between. It doesn't feel like there's any in-between with you know coming off of that rookie deal, particularly when you're talking about like a number two overall pick. You're either hit or miss. And I can't think of a scenario, and I'm I'm sure there is one, but I can't think of one where you're taking like number one, two, or three overall, and the team... They resign you. They just don't resign you for that much. Like they don't resign you to a max deal. They don't resign you to that big, you know, uh, second contract you get as a basketball player. Oh, they just sign the middle of the tier contract. That normally doesn't happen. It's like when when people rate something, whether it's on Yelp or or iTunes, right? It's either five stars or one star. They either like you enough to give you their all, or they dislike you enough, and they want to tell everybody about it. I look at reviews on Amazon all the time for different products. I'm the type of person who researches products. It's it's obnoxious. It's a terrible character fault. I actually hate it. I wish I could just walk into a store and buy something. But if there's something I want, and then suddenly I'm looking at like, well, what did people say about it? Does, does it work well? Does I do that all the time, and it's it, it's obnoxious. But the, 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 like I see reviews all the time, five stars or one star. There's never an in-between, and that's the case with, with NBA rookies. It's either five stars or one star. They're not going to sign Marvin Bagley back for anything less than the max contract. They're either going to sign him for his second deal, or they're going to let him walk. Both of them right now feel incredibly dangerous. Both of those scenarios right now feel incredibly dangerous. But as I started thinking past the Sacramento Kings, I started thinking about like coaches, and you know, we talking about you know Luke Walton and Vlade, and there, you know how 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 the, the the late run by the Kings, how Sam Amick wrote about the late run from the Kings may have may have kind of saved things for them moving forward. But like, what about Mike D'Antoni? You know, looking at where the Houston Rockets are, like, is this where the Rockets are supposed to be? Like, is is this what we're talking about with the Houston Rockets moving forward? Is oh. You know, they're right there in the middle of the pack, barring not winning an NBA championship. And I, I, I don't think that they are. As much as I love Russell Westbrook, you know that. I don't think they're going to win an NBA championship. So who are we going to put this on? Because you can't blame it on Russ. Russ took a massive step back for this team. Uh, he started to shoot less. He kept the scoring up. He's not averaging a triple-double. He played the ball. He played the games less with the ball in his hands. He he did everything James Harden could have possibly wanted. Who are we gonna blame? Who we, they fall short of an NBA championship, and that's what we're talking about. Houston is one of those teams, much like Philadelphia, where we're talking about the NBA championship. We're, we're not talking about a playoff run, and in the case, I think of both of those teams, we're not talking about a deep playoff run. We're talking about the championship. Is D'Antoni back? D'Antoni's not back, is he? They're forty and twenty-four right now. That's probably, how their regular season is going to end. Uh, they're sitting at the sixth spot, so they're going to open up against the Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets aren't, you know, substantially better than them. They're 43-22. and 22. And I very much think, like, I, I don't know who would be favored in that series. I'd take the Rockets in that series, sure. sure. But but I wouldn't take the Rockets against the Lakers. I wouldn't take the Rockets against the Clippers. I don't even know that I'd take the Rockets against the Jazz, to be completely transparent, or... I. Oklahoma City's young man they're moving Chris Paul had them had them doing great things they've got the same record just like everybody expected the Oklahoma City Thunder trade Paul George move Russell Westbrook and they're tied with the Houston Rockets the best record in the uh, in the uh, well not not the best record sorry they're tied with the Houston Rockets they have the same record 40 and 24 they don't have a better record than uh, the Lakers or the Clippers of course or even the Denver Nuggets and they're trailing the Jazz by Again. a game but is D'Antoni back these are these are this legitimate this is a conversation I was having in my head yesterday I was like they can't bring D'Antoni back can they not again like it like at some point Daryl Morey shame on you like f- figure this out you've got to bring in somebody who can get and and maybe and and I guess this is I guess this is a question you have to ask yourself if you're Daryl Morey or you're uh, uh, Fertitta the owner Have we gotten all we can out of James Harden? Like, is this, have we hit, like, the pinnacle of James Harden? Have we absolutely maximized him as a player? Have we surrounded him with the best possible talent? Have we given him the best possible coach for his skill set? Is it possible to, you know, Russell Westbrook, his game changed a little bit coming here to Houston. Is it possible to bring in a coach... Who would be new to the situation while James Harden has been here for a very, very long time now? Is it possible to bring in a coach to this situation and revamp things a little bit? Is it possible to bring in a coach to this situation and have him go to James Harden and say, hey, look, much like we saw, you know, recently on the last dance. Jordan loves playing with Doug Collins and, you know, Doug Collins has the famous line. uh, Get the ball to Michael. Everybody get the F out of the way. That was Doug Collins' philosophy. I think it's one of the reasons that Michael Jordan loves Doug Collins so much. It's one of the reasons that when, uh, you know, Jordan took over teams, he put Doug Collins in charge of them a time or two. But Phil Jackson comes in and says, well, wait a minute, Mike, I, I got an idea here. Let's try something else. Let's try to maximize Scottie Pippen. Let's try to maximize, you know, Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman or, or one of these, you know, other players, Tony Kukoc. Let's try to maximize some of these other players that we've got around you. Let me show you what I want to do. Let me introduce you to the triangle offense. Can someone step in? Can there be a Phil Jackson to step into Houston and say, "Look, James, you, you Hall of Fame player. Like you've you've established yourself as a dominant scorer. You've you've established yourself in the league. You've, you're an MVP, but you're not winning championships." You're winning series. You're getting into the playoffs. But you're not winning championships. And James, I'm not sure if you're aware, you have a reputation for when you get in the playoff series, at least meaningful playoff series. I think we can fix this. I have no clue what the fix would be. I have no idea. But there's got to be something. You have a coach come in there. If I knew what the fix would be, I'd be an NBA coach. But you get a coach in there and you, you come up with something different. Point being, at some point, you've got to cut ties with D'Antoni. Barring not winning an NBA championship this year. Because I think there are only two teams. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to win an NBA championship. But I think there are only, I'm, I'm taking a quick look, two teams, maybe three, where the outcome has to be Oh, maybe it's four. I, I work with me here. Houston, for sure, right? Houston has to win the title, or we're going to I think we might see some changes. The other team, and this was a, another conversation I was having with myself, was Philadelphia. Philadelphia didn't have the most productive uh, regular season. It finished up or we believed, finished up at thirty nine and twenty six. There was talk all year about whether are you going to move Joel Embiid? Or are you going to move Ben Simmons? And the emphatic answer is no, you're not going to move either one of them. You can't afford to either, move either one of them. They're way too talented. You got to move Brett Brown. Like that's, I mean, that guy has had a long long. And, and you know, I, it's hard to evaluate Brett Brown as a coach because you're dealing with some massive personalities on this roster. The problem is you've got a $100 million roster here. Like, your team is loaded, and it's loaded with big contracts. And I will put a lot of that... I don't know if blame is the right word. We 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 don't know how this has worked yet, but I would put a lot of any potential failure for Philadelphia on their general manager, who is... I, he had a job in the G league for, you know, a, a, a cup of coffee. And then suddenly he's an NBA general manager, which I, I, I guess it's the trend. It's to, to hire, you know, unqualified people to run basketball teams and Elton brand is one of them. And he's, he's went out and he's got these marquee players. But the, but the downside of that is when you get players like that, when you bring in Tobias Harris and you sign him and remember, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he did the Jimmy Butler bit. He's gone out and he's, He's tried to make moves. They've, they've had players there, but they weren't able to re-sign them. They had really important core pieces there that they weren't able to keep around because they had to make sure all of these other guys got their contracts. That falls on the shoulders of the general manager. That falls on the shoulders of Elton Brand. But EB is still relatively new. So he's got a firing he can use. It's like a, like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Well, it ain't my fault. But we got to blame somebody, so we're going to blame Brett Brown. And Brett Brown saw Philadelphia through the, you know, through this however you feel about the so-called process and everything that they went through. They stuck with him. They told, them, they told him from jump, you're going to be our coach. Uh, don't worry. Uh, you, you're getting us through this process, if you will, and you're going to be rewarded for it. Well, he's had a few years. To be rewarded for it, he's he's had a few years of reward for it, and now it's it's gotten to a point where okay, you've when you start to have egos taking over the team, and that's one of the things we talk about all the time when when players like Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr doesn't get recognized as a great coach because he's he coaches uh, uh, you know four ball stars or Olympians or whatever term you know whatever you know accolade you want to give the players on the Golden State Warriors, but he doesn't get credit. For managing those egos, which is a large, large percentage of being a large portion of uh, a large percentage of your job, is to manage these egos. People say the same thing with um, Gino Oriema at UConn. Well, he just gets the pl- best players. Yeah, he he gets the best players. He convinces these you know seventeen year olds to come play for him from all over the country. The, the all of these players who have been the best player on their teams, their entire lives to step into this university and play with uh, players that are probably better than them. And he manages the egos of all of those people that come in. And great coaches Phil Jackson is the same way. Well, Phil Jackson coached Kobe and and and, and Shaq and Michael and Scotty and all this like, yeah. He did and look what he got out of it. Like he, he did it pretty damn well. And right now, in terms of managing egos, in terms of that uh, roster management, I, I don't know that Brett Brown is getting the job done, and I don't know that he's going to have the opportunity to get the job done again, because they're one of the teams, along with Houston, that I think that like it's it's championship robust. Anything short of a championship, the season is a massive failure. Like they have to win the NBA title, and maybe Philadelphia, it, maybe Philadelphia, maybe that's a stretch for Philly in there. A They've got to be in the NBA Finals. Because I don't think the Rockets, I don't think the Rockets are a just being the NBA Finals team. Oh man, what a successful year for Houston. They got to the NBA Finals because they get to the NBA Finals and lose. That's just another notch on James Harden's inability to perform belt. It has escalated from the first round of the playoffs to the second round of the playoffs to the conference finals to, oh look, James Harden can't win the NBA finals. And and it's, same is true for Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni finally gets to the NBA Finals. Oh, he loses. Now you have a you know a knockdown dragout seven game series where you get a Kawhi Leonard like buzzer beater. Eh, okay, maybe, but still, Rockets lose. Rockets lose, and that stigma's there. Philly, maybe they maybe Brett Brown escapes if they get to the finals, but lose maybe. But in terms of like ramifications, I, I I don't know that Milwaukee is a championship or bus team. Like their their team isn't. They're not going to blow up their team. They're not going to fire their coach. I don't think they're going to make any drastic changes if they don't win the NBA championship. Same is true for the Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe I I don't know what type of season. I don't know what type of playoff run this will be for the Los Angeles Clippers because I don't I don't know that they're in the category of championship or bust. I really think there are only two teams. I think it's Houston and Philly, and that's it. It's championship or severe ramifications. Now, for the Lakers, anything other than winning a championship is a, is, a, is a disappointment. like if, if, if they don't win, it's a massive disappointment. For Milwaukee here at this point, uh, anything short of winning a championship. And I know all sixteen teams will be disappointed by not winning the finals, but Orlando's not going to think the same way Milwaukee is. Brooklyn isn't going to think the same way Milwaukee is. I don't even know what Boston's state of mind would be if they don't win the NBA championship, because it it feels like Boston is still ascending as long as something crazy doesn't happen and they get eliminated in the first round. Because I, I I you know Boston gets to the NBA finals, I think we're talking house money. Like if we're talking a potential you know Celtics Lakers series or. How fun would it be if it was like a Celtics Clippers series? And Celtics are Celtics are ahead of the curve because they're not supposed to be better than Milwaukee. I don't even know that they're supposed to be better than Philadelphia. And amazingly, oh, by the way, you still have the reigning defending world champions there finishing the season, probably, with a forty-six and eighteen record. Toronto, again. Nick nurse playing with house money chilling. This whole conversation took place on my walk yesterday with my dogs, the entire thing. I started taking notes in my phone. Like you, you've got to bring this up. You got to bring up the, bring up the championship or bus teams, bring up the teams that can, you know, that that, 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 that can make the playoffs, but you know, afford to lose like Dallas, Dallas can afford to lose. Dallas, Dallas is a team. You talk about we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Poor takes and just being dead wrong on something. That was me regarding the Dallas Mavericks. NBA people were speaking so highly of Dallas, and it's like, man, you guys are really jumping the gun here, man. Let's chill. Like, like you're putting all of this pressure on Luka Doncic to, you know, to just kind of step in and feel Dirk's role. Like, oh, by the way, Dirk is gone. Give this team a chance to figure things out. Yeah, they figured him out pretty quickly. My bad on that one I get the air there uh Memphis they're they're playing with house money they they weren't supposed to be here they weren't supposed to be here at all Oklahoma City wasn't supposed to be here they just they just rolling along a curious team like because like what's Denver like Denver's not a championship or bus team but like really what are they I mean they they're they're 43 and 22 but do you expect them to beat the clippers? Do you expect them to beat the lakers? If they lost say to a Houston Rockets team, would you be shocked? I mean, I I don't know. I think they're just kind of it feels like that you know the nuggets are are stuck there. The, the, the Jazz, they're just kind of they're just kind of wedged there. Remember there was a point this year the Jazz where it was like, ugh. They're not very good, and then they you know, they got it together. The Jazz are a team we're going to see uh, a lot this weekend. Not the Quinn Schneider version of the Jazz, but the Jerry Sloan version of the Jazz. Not the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell version of the Jazz, but of course the Carl Malone and John Stockton version of the Jazz as the last dance comes to its conclusion this weekend. And this is the first set of episodes where it's like, I don't really know what we're looking forward to here. I mean obviously it's the end and so it's like okay let's see how they tie this thing together let's see how it all you know wraps up I think they still got to cover they still got to cover well they, they they've got to cover the 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 Pacers series right I don't think they've touched on that yet so they they got to cover the 97 championship and the 98 championship and then it's over and then I, I guess we watch Lance Armstrong next Sunday. I, I don't really know. But this is the first episode where it's like, well, okay, we're I, I, I know we're gonna get to Jordan's first title, and then we're gonna get to you know the back to back titles, and then the the Atlantic City trip is gonna be in this episode. Oh, and then his father's murder is gonna be in this episode. Baseball is gonna be in this episode. The comeback's gonna be in this episode. It's you know it started like, oh, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what, what's here. And I guess it's the culmination of, you know, Mike walking away saying, you know, F you, man, I'm out. Told you to sign Jerry, you didn't. Or uh, I I told Jerry to sign Phil, he didn't. So, I'm out. I'm gone. And, you know, we'll get his no-holds-barred take on that. And I don't know if they, I I, I assume they're going to acknowledge it. I don't know. They haven't acknowledged Jerry Krause is dead. And now, I don't know that they have to maybe we're maybe they're operating under the assumption everybody knows that, but you know he was he's a pretty villainized piece of this story and and again, I you know at the the time this was filmed, if they were able to get anything from him, it was very very like it was it was right when he was close to death. you know what I mean so i I don't think he's gonna like make an appearance from like one of the two thousand and sixteen interviews that they did. So I I I feel like they should acknowledge that at some point here but it, it, that story is going to come to a culmination here uh, in this this upcoming upcoming set of episodes which I you know I'm looking forward to I'm not trying to downplay it uh, I'm not trying to downplay it at all I am looking forward to it uh, Rob Manfred is looking forward to playing baseball uh, so much so that he told uh, CNN actually yesterday that uh, he thinks he thinks the proposal is going to pass. He thinks the the Players Association is going to approve the proposal. He also outlined coronavirus testing protocols that the league hopes to implement, uh, telling CNN that he, the, the, the frequent tests will be key to the sports restart. And that, and this uh, became a big discussion early yesterday morning, that a positive test won't mean shutting down an entire team. Uh, and perhaps e- even uh, as important, it won't mean shutting down the entire league. Which is something that we talked about as it pertains. It's it's something that we talked about as it pertains to baseball. It's certainly something that we talked about as it pertains to basketball as well. You have to be able to handle what will happen uh, if a test comes back positive, positive. and that has to be short of, you know, the Armageddon play to shut everything down. Uh, Rob Manfred also said that he is uh, confident the proposal that they put together will be uh, passed by the Players Association, or I, I i should rephrase that, that the Players Association will approve uh, the proposal that the league owners put together and put in front of them uh, just a couple of days ago. It's like, oh, man, that feels, that that didn't feel smart to me. I don't think you say, I don't think you should say that type of stuff publicly because what if it doesn't? And like now there's, you know, we, we read what uh, uh, Snell said. Regarding it not being worth it, Bryce Harper, you know, kind of backed up those same things saying, yeah, you know, somebody had to say it and we're not sure that it's it's worth it. We're not sure that this, you know, we're not we're not sure that uh, coming back uh, for a pay cut and exposing ourselves to this virus and the potential ramifications from it and thus exposing our families to the virus and the potential ramifications from it. We're not sure that it's worth it. And, and and essentially, what they're saying is, you want us to come back and do this for a reduced salary. And the and so 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 the options that we're looking at right now is, you know, put ourselves in a position to where we're dealing with daily uh, potential exposure to this virus that we, you know, may or may not bring home. It's a bit unclear how that whole thing is is working, but you know, you've put a, put us in a situation to deal with that, and you're only paying us part of the money. That were owed. The alternative is to not make any money and to stay at home. It's clear that some of these people are leaning towards staying at home. But that's what votes are for. And will certain players this this will this will be an interesting case study if Rob Manfred is right and the proposal does get approved. Will players be like, okay, the Players Association approved it. I am making the personal decision to not play. I'm going home. Y'all play your 82-game season. Have your universal designated hitter. Do your little bubbles in in Florida and and perhaps Texas and Arizona, whatever you're going to do. I'm out. I'll come back when there's a vaccine. I'll come back when every time I go to work and come home, I'm not exposing my you know, my wife, my kids, my daughter, my significant other, my parents, my whatever, uh, to this potentially dangerous virus. And we all we all have that choice as it, as it comes to work. It's just not all of us have several million dollars in the bank. And the true, same is true for uh, baseball players. Same is true for athletes. Not necessarily all of them have millions and millions of dollars in the bank where they can make this, you know, proclamation at a relatively young age. Oh, I'm just not going to come back because, you know, Bryce Harper can recover from saying, yeah, F you, dude, I'm not doing this. There are some players that won't be able to recover from it. There are some players who'd be like, "Okay, this is your opportunity to play, and you don't want to do it." Okay, and then next year, they're gonna remember that. You know what I mean? And it's like you, you know, right or wrong, you can. It's goes back to the conversation we had, you know, with Dave Meltzer's. We were talking about wrestling and, and wrestlers not wanting to be a part of, you know, WrestleMania and their television tapings and it all centering around Roman Reigns and asking the question of. You know, do you think people will be punished? Oh, I sure hope not. I mean, they've given them the option. It's like, yeah, organizations, companies give you options. But really, deep down in your gut, you know it's not really an option. If your company is open for business and your company, uh, let's say, is operating as close to business as usual as they can, got an office, and people are going into the office, but they send out an email before opening up the office and say, hey, it's not mandatory that you come in. Our office is open. We're holding daily meetings. Here's how we're taking precautions. We've got hand sanitizer. We've got masks. We've got gloves. uh, Blah, 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 blah. But if you're not comfortable coming in, you can work from home. Okay. Well, let's say you're... uh, a company of 25 people and 24 of them go in. Oh, eyeballs are going to be on that one person or 23 of them. Eyeballs are going to be on the two people that didn't go in or the one person that didn't go in. Maybe not consciously. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe there's not a big, uh, uh, you know, think about it. Maybe it's like, Hey, we gave people the option, write it out. But when things start to clear up, it's going to be, hey, remember how Damien didn't come into the office? Hey, you remember when, you know, 24 of our 25 employees came uh, during, it, during the pandemic and, and got their work done here in the office? Meanwhile, one person stayed and <clears throat> worked from home. And we all know that worked from home. You know, there are some people who have the ability to sit down whether it's in their office or it's at a table and they are able to lock in and get their work done and and do everything that they would normally do at their office for, well, eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours, whatever your job entails. Okay, throw a kid into the mix. Throw a kid who's supposed to be at school. Oh, by the way, you've got to do homeschooling with them. Everybody knows that. Well, if, if you got kids, well, okay, you've got to take a break. This isn't something that you would be doing at the office, but you've got to take a break Uh, From the job that you're doing. And you've got to go homeschool the kid. Those are things that, you know, every company, every person. There's so many people are dealing with right now. And companies are going to remember who did what. Subconsciously, sure. Maybe just not out loud. Yeah, sure. We're going to be doing all of that stuff. We transition here. A couple of NFL notes, not really, not even really NFL stories, just stuff I stumbled across. And anytime James Harrison comes up in the news, it's worth visiting. Uh, James Harrison said Mike Tomlin gave him an envelope after a particularly devastating hit um, against the Cleveland Browns in 2010. Uh, James Harrison said on a Barstool podcast, The g thing Mike Tomlin ever did. He handed me an envelope after that hit. I'm not going to say what, but he handed me an envelope after that. Uh, James Harrison was fined $75,000 for that particular hit. Uh, He goes on to say, listen, on everything I love, on my daddy's grave, I hit that man with about 50% of what I had. And I just hit him because... I wanted him to let loose of the ball. If I had knew they were going to fine me $75,000, I would have tried to kill him. That's James Harrison, ladies and gentlemen. Now, since then, of course, uh, Art Rooney has issued a statement saying, I am very certain nothing like this ever happened. I have no idea why James would make a comment like this, but uh, there is simply no basis for believing anything like that. Essentially, what James Harrison is saying is this is a bounty gate situation, and Mike Tomlin gave him a bonus for leveling uh, this Cleveland Browns wide receiver. Uh, James Harrison's agent also chimed in and said, yeah, that never happened. Absolutely not. Never happened. Okay, so the Bounty Gate part of it aside, the Mike Tomlin thing, aside, put all of that aside. Can we just acknowledge the fact that these dudes in the NFL scream about, you know, being a brotherhood and being competition and being one to win? And James Harrison, who is a scary, scary individual, James Harrison, who I do believe would probably like to kill somebody, says, if I knew they were going to find me $75,000, I would have tried to kill him. He swears that he hit, uh, who was it? Mohamed Moskwar. I don't even remember who that is. 2010. How many Cleveland Browns wide receivers have there been since 2010? But he, he, obviously, that was a decade ago. He remembers the hit. He says, I hit them with 50% of what I had. If I knew they were going to find me that much, I would have tried, tried to kill him." James Harrison is an unstable individual, man. I think a lot of NFL players are unstable, but goodness gracious, James Harrison is something else. And why would you say that about Mike Tomlin if it wasn't true? Like why? And maybe that's just being on a podcast, getting into telling stories. Maybe you embellish stuff. Maybe it really happened, and everybody's got to clean it up because now the NFL is going to look like, oh, really? Let's look into this a little bit. That's why Art Rooney came out quick and was like, "Mm, that ain't happened, not here." That's why James Harrison agent was like, "Hey, bro, uh, uh-uh, uh, don't do that. Nope, didn't happen, not here." It wouldn't be the NFL offseason if someone wasn't in trouble. And the arrest warrants have been issued in South Florida for Giants quarterback DeAndre Baker and Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar in connection to an armed robbery investigation. According to Miramar Police, Baker's arrest warrant is for four accounts of armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault. With a firearm Dunbar is wanted on four counts of armed robbery with a firearm. The alleged incident took place Wednesday night uh, at a party that began Wednesday evening. According to the arrest warrant, Baker and Dunbar are accused of stealing money and watches with force while armed with semi-automatic firearms. It states that Baker intentionally threatened victims with a firearm. Well, I guess we can say the NFL offseason is finally here. Took a while to get here, uh, but the NFL offseason is finally here. That's really all I got today, man. I I told you it was kind of a slim day, and all I did really was run you through a conversation that I had in my head. That entire NBA conversation took place in my head. I know that that's dangerous and dumb, But when like and and I'll come up with arguments like have you ever gotten in like an argument with yourself like have you ever like played out like you you were going to go into work and you were going to let someone have it. Have you ever played out the argument in your head like how you thought they were going to respond and uh, uh, how you were going to respond to what you thought they were going to respond. Have you ever done that. I really hope the answer is yes because if it's not then just completely forget we had this whole conversation because I won't admit to saying that that's something that happens to me regularly. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for tuning in this week. Thanks for tuning in. As always, you want to support the podcast. The absolute best way to support the podcast is to go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Become a Patreon. Uh, Whether if if you just want to donate to the show, help a brother out, that's fine. They've got tiers for that. We've got tiers for that. Uh, We've got a be conscious tier as that show is going to return here this month. We've got a wrestling tier where you can get episodes of Relive before the debut on the live stream on June 3rd. I also got a weekly wrestling podcast. It's very much in the format of this podcast. We deliver news to you. It's just wrestling news. Wrestling news and opinion that is available there on our weekly podcast. Exclusive to Patreon. We have a higher tier if you really want a ball that includes T-shirts and all sorts of different stuff that I'll be giving away here throughout the year. It also has a lot to do with the Sacramento Kings. So we're kind of on the honor system as it pertains to that one as we're just kind of in a holding pattern here as it pertains at the Kings. But all of your support, even if it's just a download, is good enough for me, man. I appreciate you so much. Have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. And we'll see you here Monday on the podcast with Damian Borling.